Welcome, adventurers, to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon Podcast, where we use improv, nerd lore, and creativity to create fun and weird content for your games. I'm Steve Albertson, the most vicious and super muscular peanut M&M loving dragon warrior. And I'm Andrew, the Tiger Wizard, aka T-Wizzy, also known as Art Dorcas with the Wand of Orcus. 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 And I'm just making it up as I go along. I'm Rob, the Warlock Rock. Let's roll! Well, 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 welcome everyone to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon special Old School Essentials episode. That's right. This episode is entirely dedicated to a deep dive into the old school game of fantastic adventure from Necrotic Gnome and sponsored by Exalted Funeral. Joining us today to spill all the juicy beans, we have Gavin Norman, the creator of OSE. Welcome, Gavin. Hey, thanks for having me on. Oh, a pleasure to have you. We have Matt Kelly from Exalted Funeral. Hello. Thanks for joining us yet again, um, and also thank you for sponsoring this episode. We appreciate it greatly. We are also joined by the cover artist for all of the new covers that come in the recently released box sets of the game, David Hoskins. Thanks for joining us today, David. Thank you. It's great and to be here. It's great to have you. <laughs> and then last, but certainly not least, back on the show again, RPG painter and illustrator, as well as my personal art hero, Errol Otis. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. All right. Well, here we all are. Steve, uh, why don't you go ahead and launch us in to some of uh, our OSE questions? All right. I want to start this thing off by just a uh, basic introduction from uh, Gavin. Can you just tell us how uh, OSE came about? And how you came to work with Matt, Errol, and David, like two-parter. Um, yeah, so OSE came about, um, you know, I'd been playing VX and similar games for many years. Um, and there was, uh, I was in a, a lot of kind of RPG communities on Google Plus at the time. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about like usability in games, like um, especially in terms of like the layout and editing, how to, you know, fit fit things on individual pages and like side-by-side spreads for usability, you know, rather than having to like jump around and flip through all all the pages in a book to find something, having everything you need in one place. Um, And I I just got really into this idea and kind of noticed when I was using the VX books, like, oh yeah, okay, this, this could be better organized. This could be placed here, you know, and then thought, okay, I'll make, I'll try and just try making an edit of the rules um to see what i can come up with and from there i i just kind of started sharing kind of screenshots and things of what i was doing and people were really into it so i kind of, from there i developed it into a whole game um so that that's the focus on kind of reproducing the bx rules very closely but in a much more like modern design style of of how the information is presented yeah, can like, we have a little bit broader uh, just for people that don't have any idea at all of what OSE is? So let's just start with like Dungeons and Dragons, OD&D, <laughs> right. first okay. edition. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I went for the super low level answer there, didn't I? Um, <laughs> yeah, so a higher level answer is um, that, you know, there was a bunch of different editions of D&D through the years. Um, the basic expert edition 
um, was two box sets released in 1982. Um, there, there was actually supposed to be a third one, but it never came. Um, so that that's called BX, um, and that's what OSE is based on. Um, so it's kind of among among um, kind of connoisseurs of old school gaming. I'd say like two editions are kind of paramount, are like regarded as the best ever, and that's AD and D and BX. Commonly, commonly regarded as like the kind of pinnacle of old school D and D. So personally, I started playing in the eighties, and the basic D and D was what I was into. So that's kind of what I have my personal sort of nostalgia for. And you've certainly taken that cream of the crop and then applied a modern design sense to it, which I feel like makes it much more palatable to like a younger game, you know, younger gamer, someone coming into the hobby. Um, which I think, uh, you know, is definitely contributes to the success. So right, yeah, that's the hope to kind of make it a bit more accessible. Like, yeah. Um, so the second part of that first question, Gavin right. was how did you get associated with, uh, Matt at oh, Exalted right. Funeral and yeah. then David and Errol? Yeah. Yeah. Part two. Um, yeah. So Matt, great. um, <laughs> Matt was, uh, some, one of the first retailers to stock my early books, um, I think did you have Wormskin even like yeah back we did in, yeah, yeah yeah so like pre OSE um, you know I was I was just kind of exploring like getting books into retail um, and somehow I can't remember how we first got in contact but Matt was you know running Exalted Funeral an online retailer and somehow we got in touch and I remember shipping over to him like some two like huge like yard cube kind of boxes full of books and t-shirts and things um <laughs> so he, he was one of the first people to stock my books um, yeah gavin's making this um sound really professional and real real sexy but the <laughs> real the real answer is is that i kind of goobered my way into friendship with him like i was just like i geeked out real hard i messaged him <laughs> i love the material i love what he wrote and then we just chatted you know became friendly then friends and really the relationship really blossomed um during a time when um gavin was about to have his family grow like and i being a father was like oh no i know exactly how hard this is <laughs> like because when i had started my business my children were very very young and very difficult you know and i was like man if you need any help at all with any of that stuff you know you got you got your wife, your beautiful baby on the way. You're going to need some, a little bit of help. And then, you know, I helped him out with that. And we just kind of, our friendship just blossomed. And it turned into, you know, like he said, he started shipping me stuff. And he's like, this shipping portion sucks. And I'm like, we will do that sucky part. And <laughs> then we did. And it just, you know, both the brand and our business, you know, OSC and Necrotic Gnome itself grew exponentially same as we did and so the trajectory was there and it was yeah. kind of like just a serendipitous i, I don't want to it's like a lightning in a bottle sort of situation where you know everything kind of came together and you know we you know just as friends powered through the entire thing but um yeah the real real reason is, is gavin's like i want to make stuff all this other really really unfun stuff can you guys do that and i was like absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I love doing these unfun things like putting things in boxes <laughs> that's great and then how did uh david get involved 
that was my fault too. I forced him to help. Um, <laughs> uh, I was I was getting gas. I was uh, on va- I was get- I was on vacation, and I was just getting ready for vacation. And Matt texts me like, "Hey, do you want to do these covers?" I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of demystifying that's happening here. We should have pre got together and made this sound much cooler. But (laughs) what about, yeah, what about you, Errol? How'd you get roped into it? Uh, uh, If I remember correctly, Gavin emailed me. Amazing the way those things work. (laughs) We talked a little, he gave me a a good amount of lead time. Um, He was patient and got back to me, I think, like with a year in between almost the initial Mm -hmm. email. And then it was a go. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was, I, again, I'm going to demystify things here. Sorry, Gavin. But me and Gavin were nerding out so hard. He was like, I've been talking to Errol. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, but it's going to be so long. I was like, we should just wait. <laughs> so when he said he gave you the lead time, we were like, we'll wait, whatever. We'll do whatever. <laughs> we'll just hold on. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. That's we were great. so pumped. Yeah. I just, I, I distinctly remember those conversations where we were like, oh, yeah. a legend. We're going to get to have a legend on it. We, we geeked out super hard. We, on that. um, especially because it was, um, I mean, kind of coincidentally, but the Kickstarter for the box sets mm-hmm. was in uh, 2022, which was 40 years from the original release of the BX game. So we were like, ah, come on, if we can coincide that with having Errol do the cover art like that would just be amazing so that's yeah yeah that was cool really great that and that was uh, uh gavin's idea too um to have uh he sent me several text uh ideas and that was one of them uh, this thing looming over combatants um and that, that that was inspiring Demon Arena, I call it. The Demon <laughs> Arena. <laughs> I don't, really, cool. I don't so, know if it's officially called that. But. <laughs> it's officially, it's very cool. So we have a ton of questions, and we want to ask as many of them as we possibly can. Um, unfortunately, you know, there are time constraints on everything. So I figured an orderly um, Dungeons & Dragons approach would be the best. So I'm going to ask each of you if you would roll for initiative. And then what's going to happen is I'm going to take those dice rolls and then I will ask you questions in the uh, order that you have established your turns. Are we, so. are we using group initiative or an individual initiative? Oh, man, such a great question. Um, <laughs> in, individual initiative, but okay, gotcha. uh, so casters are still going last. Yeah, I think we should... I think we should uh, like go for, around and establish intent first, and then actual <laughs> yeah. questions. Any any retreats from melee? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm retreating. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Whoa. Nineteen. Whoa. All right, Gavin. Slow down. <laughs> Gavin. Nineteen. Errol. What do you get? Ten. Ten. All right. David. Fourteen. All right. And 14. Matt. And just like any game I play, a three. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, this is very indicative of how I roll. Like, that's a very. <laughs> if you guys play a game with me, you'll see how bad the rolls are. It's the unluckiest player. So after Gary Khan, we went to the memorial. Um, there's some pictures of it on Instagram, and me. It's uh, kind of like a thing. You go there and you roll a d20 on the on the little brick. Uh, I rolled a two, 
and then Steve like casually rolls up and drops a nat 20 on that thing. Uh, I have, uh, have the, uh, you know, Gary afterlife blessing perhaps for, for a brief moment. All right. So, um, Gavin, uh, we just asked you a question, but we're going to ask you another one because you won the initiative. Congratulations. <laughs> you had your surprise round or whatever. Yeah. And now in a row. Yeah. All right. Um, so um, we're talking about OSE and I understand that um, when you're when you're running this game or when you're playing this game, like when you're playing your own game, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you might, you know, fudge some rules a little bit. Do you have a, a house rule or a ruling that is different from how it's written in the mm. books that you've written? That yeah, you... definitely. Um, okay, that's what that's what we're interested in. A house rule that is different from the rules as written in your own rule set. Yeah, um, I mean, one thing I do is um, I quite often use a kind of death store rule. Um just as like, I don't know, you know, I mean, obviously old school D&D, especially BX is very deadly. Like players have low hit points. Yeah. You could start the game with one hit point. Quite, quite conceivable. <laughs> um, it's easy to die from one hit. Um, so off, often I'll add a little rule that like, you know, if you go to zero hit points, you can survive for a few rounds, you know, like there's a two and six chance of death each round or something like that. Um and if, if someone saves you before that comes up, you know, does magical healing on you or something, then you're okay. But you lose one point from a random ability score. Um, oh. So that's like a sort of scarring kind of thing. Um, so I'll, I'll often use a rule like that um, just to kind of slightly increase survivability a bit. Because, um, you know, otherwise, like, I've, I've had campaigns without a rule like that. And, you know, I guess I run quite deadly games generally. Um I've had, you know, I've had sessions where players have got through multiple characters because they've kept dying in combat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's nice to kind of leaven that a little bit. Um, so that's that's one kind of common house rule I use that comes to mind. Do the rest of you, uh, would you be grateful for that kind of reprieve? Were your character on death's doorstep or like, hell no, just like write another one? I love the murder person. You love the murder? I, I love right, so, I love character death. Yeah, so murder or survivability, uh David. If he dies, he dies. If he dies, he dies. Errol? No. Well, I mean, he might die anyway. No, I like that uh a little bit of a buffer. All right. All right, yeah, so we're yeah, split yeah, down the middle. Cuz um, I mean, you're I mean, usually you're going to invest uh some yeah, work in creating your character and thinking about it. Um so it's nice not to have it instantly snuffed out and have yeah. to make another and another. I think Man, it's kind of a Errol's so like... kind. He's so kind. Because me, <laughs> when I run a game, out. I'm like, here are my friends. I can't wait to punish them. Mm-hmm. Like they've, <laughs> they've annoyed me for years now, and I've played with them for years. And <laughs> guess what, guys? I hope you invested in these characters because you're playing an old school game. This is I what ran, it was like. <laughs> I ran two different OSE games at uh, GaryCon this year, and I think... I had two out of something like six to eight players survive both of those games. OSE can be, and they were fourth level players, but can be. So Steve, it sounds like your vote is for death. (laughs) I I do like the idea of a scarring though. I think that's really cool because then it adds flavor and I'm a big fan of flavor like that. Yeah, that's nice. Which is cool. 
It's different uh, at con game too, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. True. Kill them at a con game for sure. Yeah. But at Absolutely. a home table, I tend to like to draw my character. And like, if all I have to do is put a little scar on them or something, that's much better than having to tear that drawing up and throw <laughs> it away. Okay. Next in our initiative is uh, David Hoskins. Uh, for my question to you is your art has uh, a pretty good influence on how people might be playing the game or how they're doing it. It is on the covers. It's also in several of the uh, adventures for it too. Can you just uh, give us your process from when you are given the assignment to a completed piece? What does that look like for you? Oh, geez. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, a lot of me questions for you. It's a lot of me. It's a lot of me um, staring at either a piece of paper or a tablet and getting angry at that um, for a long time. And then, you know, eventually like there, there are a few pieces. From anger. Yeah. It really, like I purely run on spite um, and like, and, and being really upset with my inability to do what I want to do. Um, but, Ooh, yeah, that's a really tough one. There are a few things that come to mind, like um, the Mont, like, the monsters piece of uh, the classic book, I believe it is with the, the elf and the Griffin, the wounded Griffin. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That one in particular, you know, I was like, I could draw like, I could draw monsters, you know, like ripping people apart. And that's what I normally do. But I was like, monsters aren't always bad things. So why don't I do like a nice, something nice um, for that one. And uh, Gavin was on board for that one. Luckily, um, I just try to like uh, think about what I would like to see in a game too, you know, like, um, and I look at other artistic influences, um, the treasures piece with the thief, like dangling over the little pillars surrounded by gold, like grabbing the gem with the skeletons animated, like oh, about I to hack them. Those skeletons. Those skeletons Thank you. are so cool. Yeah. The, the, tick, the tip to drawing skeletons is to just not care about real bones. Anatomy. Yeah, yeah. don't look yeah. at anatomy. <laughs> skeletons with, with weird bones like just look better. Um, yeah. They look For cool. Sure. But yeah, you know, like yeah, just try to get like uh, the essence of something, uh, something that is either exciting or evocative in some way you know like the adventures as like the guy about to fall into the pit his buddy's catching him the characters is kind of like uh like i think at the time like i was looking at some like like capcom art you know i'm a big street fighter head so like uh the the characters kind of striking the pose with the smoke and stuff in the background um same thing with the advanced cover uh, that one i wanted to be a little more whimsical and i wanted to like highlight the classes that aren't in the core book. So you've got the illusionist, the knight and the bard. Um, and then that one I was looking at, like, I was thinking more of, um, again, like kind of back to video games, that one with like the old box cover art. So you've got the, the illusionist quite big and her cloak wraps around and the knight is in the middle with his horse and like the setting sun is behind his blade and, the bard is kind of like wrapped up in the cloak. It's, it's not necessarily like a set illustration of like people standing around in a actual plane, you know? Um, it's kind of a, like has almost a collage look to it. Yeah. It it feels very, it feels like, um, yeah, it feels very layered. Like it has, Mm -hmm. it has layers of characters. 
Yeah. And I will point out that um, on that piece in particular, I drew like the best dwarf I've ever like, and he's <laughs> looks so good and he's playing a lute and everything. And Gavin's like, Gavin's like, okay, so what's this guy supposed to be? And I was like, well, you know, it's like, it's, it's a dwarf. And, and he's like, uh, it's, I don't know. Like, I wasn't thinking. I was like, it's like a warrior. And he's like, well, you know, dwarves can't be bards. And I'm like, well, Tolkien's dwarves carried harps and instruments. And like, so I was really pushing for that dwarf, but he didn't let me have it. But I like the new guy too. Like the new bard with kind of the old, like hard Prince Valiant bangs. And he's got kind of a scarred up face and he's playing the, yeah. So, so that you drew the best dwarf that's ever been drawn ever. Um, yeah. And, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, no one has ever seen it. Is, is that what we're hearing? I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, well, it. go ahead and send it to Errol as well. Cause uh, he's next in the initiative. And I wanted to ask him, Errol, what's the best dwarf you've ever drawn? <laughs> Man, we prepped these questions oh. hard. Uh, um, no, it wasn't the best one, but he was in a good picture. There was a, a playing aid that was like a, a cutaway on one of those monochromatic uh, TSR products. And you kind of see different levels of the dungeon. And there's a few adventures advancing on gnolls, and there's a whole other stuff. There's a dwarf in that. Um, and he's really not at all the best, but he's in a good picture. <laughs> okay. But that's one that sticks with you the most? Like, that's the dwarf? Well, just when you said history. dwarf, yeah, I thought of him. Yeah. All right, so this is what we're going to do in the when this episode comes out in the show notes. You'll be able to see um, all of the best dwarves that have ever been drawn. And then I encourage all of our listeners who like to draw, send us your best dwarf drawing. Um, we'd love to share them on our social media. Yeah, so I'd say we could have a contest right now. Everyone send yeah. in their best dwarf drawing. Whoever wins gets a T-shirt. All right, and don't worry, David. I've got your T-shirt size already, so I know that you've got the best dwarf drawing. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah, some ringers in here right the, now. The, the, best, the best dwarves are GW dwarves, and I know that might be oh, heresy to with say. With a mohawk? Like a, yeah, give oh, me a yeah. mohawk dwarf for sure. Yeah, and chunky right, armor. Errol, I have a real question for you. I mean, that's a real question. I, I love oh, yeah. hearing about... Uh, things that you've drawn in the past um, or that you're planning to draw in the future. But the question I wanted to ask you, um, we saw you at Gary Khan briefly in between you running from signings to going to run games. So, um, you know, it might be kind of putting you on the spot to ask if you were running old school essentials at Gary Khan. But even if you weren't, um, tell us a little bit about what you've been running or playing lately. I know you like to run more than play. Well, I, well, I like both, but I seem to have a little bit more opportunity to run run games, especially <clears throat> at cons. And I was running, well, sort of. Oh, I see. I was running first edition AD and D. Close um, enough. Yeah, and I had uh, the main. I guess the main focus of this was the the interesting uh, characters, more like creatures that the players were playing. I had one guy. They were uh, a dwarf. I'm oh, not a dwarf. Got me thinking about dwarves. <laughs> the best drawn dwarf. <laughs> yeah, was a troll, a troll with a magic beard. Ooh. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, and one was uh, a water elemental. One was an ogre magi. Uh, one was a grell. Ooh, and, a grell. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Errol, do people a, get hand? Do you, they get drawings of their pregens when they sit at your table? Do they in get, this like... case, they did. In this case, they did. Oh my and the God. last one was, oh no, there's a couple more. But anyway, one of them was a giant slug wielding the eye of Vecna. Oh, so now you're talking my language. 
was looking a little different. And yeah, in this case, so that just briefly, um, in this case, I, I started with the idea I wanted them to play weird creatures. So I looked at my figure collection and tried to find, the genesis was I looked at my figures, tried to find, you know, several factors all coming together, cool ones that made a good variety, but that were also sturdy to travel, you know, that wouldn't have pieces break off. And that's how yeah. that menagerie came together. And then this was the fun, one of the fun parts for me is I, I did little drawings of them looking at the figure, right? So these were little drawings based on what the figure looked like. They were little headshots. And so, yeah, oh, they had cool. those on three by five cards and I tried to cram their stats in on the back and um, put them in little plastic sleeves so they could use dry erase markers to, you know, count down their doom. Uh, <laughs> did they all survive, Errol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 you know, so it was a three-part adventure too. I, like, I, I have a problem with uh, attention span, so I can't run the same adventure over and over. Or I would become uh, bored. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so it's a long adventure, um, and that's on me. But yeah, they did really well for a while, you know, doing monstrous things. And then, as one might expect, the last episode they ran into uh, a party of it. They had run into weenie adventures before, but they ran into some real adventures, and that was kind of bloodbath on both sides. A slug bloodbath. <laughs> Gruesome. All right, next on our initiative tracker, we have uh, Mr. Matt Kelly from Exalted Funeral. Matt, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the success of OSC and how popular it's become. And you're right on the front lines of like seeing actual numbers. Can you talk to me about uh, why you think it's become so successful and so popular in you know, the minds of uh, our community? Well, there, there's a really simple uh answer to that and a really 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 long 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 can we get like a yeah somewhere in the road yeah Yeah. Yeah. so (laughs) the the easiest way is to say it's really really good and i kind of and i'm gonna sound like a total boisterous jerk here but when i saw and read osc um i'm really really I i was really really impressed and i don't have very many talents but one of the talents i do have is inserting myself into conversations with people that don't want me there like poor (laughs) gavin um so i was like gavin this is like super good this has got to be way bigger like i i told gavin like this is we're we're thinking too small on this and he's like who are you you're just a guy that's buying the books for me can you just (laughs) (laughs) buy more books so i like forced my way into osc and the life of it but i i mean i just recognized the game you know it was really really good and it's something that the uh old school uh gaming community didn't have which was one, the crowd was really unified behind it. A lot of people that played it liked it easy. Second part of that was you got to get it to more people. The more people that play, the more that they'll like it. And so tackling that problem and seeing that in the community, you know, I, I, I'll say this right now and I'll probably upset people. You know, I think old school essentials is better than all those other retro clones. Ooh, <laughs> Easily. Sick yeah, burn me. other retro clones. Yeah, come come and get me. Come at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Matt at exaltedfuneral.com. Email me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I believed in it a hundred percent. And 
110%. And when I saw how good it was, it's just more about getting people to play. You know, the hardest part about gaming is the real challenge that we all have is actually getting together to play the games we want to play. Yeah. And so that's comes down to us as like the, you know, co-publisher and distributor of the titles, you know, I, I wanted old school essentials to be in every single person who played games hands. You played fifth edition, try this. You played, you know, anything else, any game, whether it was a huge game, small game, try it, you know, give it a shot, try these adventures. And I think the success in it is really just the very basic. It's really good. And once the crowd sees that, and once you actually get to get to see it, get to play it, you know, it's an incredible experience. It gives you all the feel goods that you have about playing the game, but with modern design, you know, modern execution, you know, you get to be a part of that. You know, there's the third party success of it. You know, Gavin graciously opened up the game to be able to be designed for tons and tons of third party developers too. And so the crowd gets to do what they do best and that's create really, really cool things. And, make really cool things with it there's nothing worse than stifling the fans you know stifling the people who like it so you know here i am blabbering do you guys want me to keep going i could keep <laughs> I, I, I could keep saying how really really delicious OSE is and how really really good it is but that's i mean i'll i'll add to this that like the reason i like using it is it's like so laid out so well it's easy to put adventures together it doesn't take a ton of time and now yeah. the new box set has a separate books, which like when I was running it even at Gary Con, I could have the books around, passing it off to different people, people that are playing the, uh, you know, advanced version that have like, you know, assassins or uh, right. druid spells. Like it's easy to pass that around. Yeah. But, uh, you know, playing games is hard. I've, I, this is, this might be a crazy statistic, but like almost every time I play a game almost has at least half of the people playing are new people who have never played. Because again, I force my way into conversations and I'm like, hey friend, would you just like to play, you know, have you ever heard of D D? Now have you ever heard of <laughs> old school essentials? They're like, what are you even talking about? And I'm like, come on down, let's come to my house and drink some adult beverages together and I'll make you play pretend as an adult. They're like, this is awesome. But you know, when you get with these other games, it's like filling out tax forms. Literally the worst part of the, the thing is trying to teach people like, you know, they come from a board game world where everything's yeah. cut and dry, easy. They pick it up, they open it. If I have to like get them Write to fill out down. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, <laughs> it, it is, it's like tax forms to them. But OSC is not like that. It's clean. It's easy. It's quick. And it's respectful of the source material that it's like inspired from, you know, and it's respectful of the history, but it just makes it so easy. And I think that's why the crowd responds because, you know, as it's just difficult to get people together. But again, the very basis is it's really good. And I recognized how good it was. And I was like, yo, we got to, we got to make this way bigger. And I told like, I told Gavin that for like a year and he was like, God, stop, stop messaging me. What is this about? Just buy more <laughs> who <money."> are you? <laughs> yeah. Who are you? Why? Matt, what? Why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, Why are what you is doing happening? this to me? Yeah. Well, Matt, um, that that was the last initiative of this first round of combat. And I will have to say that uh, I feel like your answer delivered a mighty blow to um, whatever <laughs> creature it is that we are fighting. Um, but we're back to the top of the round, back to the top of the initiative. Um, and that's you, Gavin. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Dolmenwood. Uh -huh. So um, 
Well, as publisher, I got to interject here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is top secret. Top, top secret. Well, so um, the way that I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Dolman Wood is a campaign setting that you've created for OSE. Um, and we've ex- we've seen a couple of things. Uh, Winter's Daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe there's one other one that I haven't read yet. So uh, apologies for being... Uh, not very well read. Yeah, there's there's an older adventure called The Weird That Befell Drigbolm, which is... Oh, okay, well, I, don't, I haven't read that one either. Um, well, can you just tell us a little bit about Dolmenwood and what the setting is all about, how it came to be, um, what you like about it, what you hate about it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so Dolmenwood is a primarily a campaign setting, Um based on um, English uh, kind of folklore, fairy tales. Also just, you know, as you can probably tell, I'm English. Um, really? Just the, just, yeah, surprising. Just the, just the kind of background, like, culture absorbed from growing up in that country, um, which obviously, you know, is a different kind of cultural background to someone growing up in the US. Um, and ju- just kind of almost like a... A kind of pre D and D take on fantasy in a way. So like going back, you know, a lot a lot of D and D is based on obviously the kind of pulp um, sword and sorcery stuff from like thirties, forties. So going back before that um, to almost like kind of late Victorian kind of influences as well, um, and seeing like if you take those kind of influences along with like traditional fairy tales and make a D and D setting out of that, what do you come out with? Um, so, like, um, I mean, a, a bit about the setting itself. Obviously, the name implies that it's a forest, which is correct. Um, so it's, it's kind of like fairy haunted, um, dotted with all these kind of standing stones and ley lines, um, which are the, there's a lot of, uh, like, mystical energies throughout the place and various factions kind of battling to control different kinds of uh, mystical energies. Um so it's it's going to be like three books. So it's it's actually really big, very detailed setting. Um, so there's a player's book, a referee's book, and a monster book. Um, oh, so we're not just talking yeah, about so- your home setting here. This is a product that Matt <laughs> doesn't want us to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> I see now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was specifically trying to ask about what has already been released if you want to talk about stuff that hasn't come out yet i'm cool with it i don't know if matt's cool with it but i'm good no i'm always cool with it yeah but also like (laughs) how it uh fits with ose as well in the box set i think would be cool way to uh frame it so um it's the i guess the dolmenwood game is a slight variant of ose like as as i was developing dolmenwood I noticed that there was a lot of things where, like, you know, I was saying it's kind of an alternative take on D&D in a way. Um, there was, you know, some elements of the classic D&D rules that didn't quite sit right. Um, and so, I, you know, I've introduced some kind of tweaks to the rules. Um, so it's, it's very, like, it's founded on the OSE rules, but with some kind of tweaks to adjust things to the setting. Um, also you also to make tell people to do in the beginning of the book. That Sorry? exact thing. You tell people to do that in the beginning of the book anyway, right? Take these rules yeah, and then yeah, pick totally. what you want. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's that's back to the question about house rules, you know, that I was like, of course yeah. I have house rules. Like, 
I think that's just the nature of the game, isn't it? Like everyone has their own um, rules variants that they use just for their their own taste of their group or to enforce the flavor of a particular setting, whatever that they're working in. Um, so that's kind of the direction Dolmenwood has gone in. Um, it's also also being angled as a more beginner friendly game. So one um, one thing about OSE is that in a way it kind of is more aimed at people who already know about classic D and D, um, whereas Dolmenwood is aimed more at like or equally at beginners. So like there's a, there's going to be a lot more kind of introductory material in there. Um, a lot more guidance for new players, that kind of thing. Um, Very cool. So we're hoping it will be a really nice intro to the old school gaming in general, you know, for people who get into the flavor of the setting and then they can move on to other other old school materials, other adventures, you know. From so that. within what you've already released for the old school essentials, you know, mm-hmm. the, we're primarily talking right now about the box sets. Um, but in addition to the box sets, there are a, a bunch of very beautiful sort of um, uh, adventure modules, right? The Incandescent Grottos, um, the Plangent Mage, which is uh, one that um, uh, David did uh, illustrations throughout. Yeah. Really beautiful. Um, and several others. Do you consider those to be, um, you know, uh, maybe part of the Dolmenwood um setting or those are just you know yeah they're they're unrelated um I mean you you could you could kind of um place them in Dolmenwood if you wanted to I know some people have um but they're they're intended to be more like generic D&D adventures that you can place in any setting Gotcha. Um, I use it, you know, the word generic doesn't do them justice. You know, they're obviously absolutely not aiming not to be very imaginative, <laughs> but generic in the sense of they're not tied to a particular setting kind of thing. Um, yeah, we like to say generically award winning. <laughs> yeah, they are. Like, Halls of the uh, Blood King, baby. Halls of the Blood King, I've played through twice now, and like Plangent Mage, I've gone through as well. Um, and I was telling uh, David about this uh, when we were at GaryCon, where in Plangent Mage, I had a body swap spell and i swapped it out with a shark lobster for like the entire campaign in there (laughs) which is awesome which is also one of my favorite illustrations in that book although the cover is also awesome but uh in initiative we're back to david so david can you just tell me what your favorite piece is for the box set like what sticks with you the most (laughs) this is great probably like the one that gave me the least amount of trouble and the one that like I mean, it, it's all over the places. The the enchanter, the wizard with the sword. Um, I mean, I definitely spent a while on it, but it's the one that like it didn't change very much from its initial, um, you know, idea like inception. I think and, I tried uh, to goad you into changing it too. You, I think you try to get me to like for the shirt to like have the sword break. Yeah, almost like the um, the uh. uh Batchkey, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Shards of cover. It was a bad um, call. I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have said anything. Well, <laughs> no, like, like we we actually tried it. Like we we messed with it, and we had the sword break the border. But it, like it just it went because it's so it, the angle of it, the perspective coming at the viewer, created this big white like bleh, like at yeah. the base of the shirt, and it just didn't look right. So yeah. I'd have to draw a lot more flame and electricity and magic and stuff popping off and. 
And I was like, like why, why not just do that? Why not just draw I, for like eight more hours on it? Because <laughs> eight more, jeez. Uh, you, you think I'm fast. Uh, I'm <laughs> so slow. Um, There's no, a black yeah, light that, version of that too, right? There is. Um, and that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, Paul from The Headlight um, printed that one. Uh, I was talking with Andrew, uh, the same guy who did like Jim Ruggs' uh, second wave of black light posters. I'm a big fan. Um and he's super cool to work with. And I just found out, like, I just kind of put two and two together. Yeah, there it is. Um, that Paul also used to have, I don't know if he still does it, but he he has like a, I, I'd talked to him and his, uh, I, I think his partner, Cheryl, like 10 years ago or something, he did something called Hidden Fortress, I think, um, yes. which was an underground like comics publisher. So that's Paul from Headlight. And I like it just clicked on me the other day. Uh, but no, like that shirt, uh, or that um that piece uh, with the the black light poster um, turned out great, and the response to it has been really good. I mean, I was like, it like someone must have sent out an email or something the first day of GaryCon because I saw so many people wearing that shirt, and it like, uh, I was just so humbled and confused and like. <laughs> like, wow, well, I stopped the guy at one point when yeah. I was walking with you and I was like saw that guy wearing the shirt and I'm like hey man this guy drew that shirt and then he stopped and made you sign it right there it's weird <laughs> like that was weird I mean that was weird but I mean even getting to play at your table where like you're like oh here are all the books like you guys oh you're this class here's the character book and I'm like this is like I I drew this and like we're playing with it and it's, it's still like to this day just like it, it flips me out, man. It's real. Laying weird. those books out to you. When, it, was when like I get a yeah, when I get a message, something? when I get a message um, over Slack, because like I work with Exalted Funeral now. I'm, I do art direction um, and some creative stuff. But getting a message from Kristen being like, "Oh, hey, Errol asked for your blacklight poster. He really likes it." I was like, "Wow, you know, I've got Errol's work all over my place, like tons of books." Um, so that was. That was awesome, too. So once again, um, Errol, you're once again following David in um, initiative order. And I feel like I have no option other than to just ask you uh, straight up. Do you like the Enchanter poster? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) Good answer. All right. Um, So David was just talking about how... um, how interesting and cool it was to be able to be around a table playing with artwork that he's created. You have created so much artwork, you know, over the years for the industry. Um, Maybe you could speak a little bit about how that experience has been for you, seeing your artwork um, sort of transmuted from, you know, something that you created for, you know, your work several years ago to seeing it become kind of iconic to then, you know, maybe seeing people wearing T-shirts with your art or, um, you know, carrying around old issues of Dragon Magazine with your work on it. Like, how's that how's that experience been with you seeing your work in, you know, in gaming uh, around the table? I've seen people cosplay as Aerolotus pieces. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like like on the basic box, like the 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 wizard lady you oh, know, really? yeah no I, cool. uh, I you know I'm I'm not really sure 
what the answer to that is, <laughs> Andrew. Uh, I mean, it's neat, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, can you ask me another question? Sure. You have another one. I'm not feeling it, man. Okay, well, Errol. Why don't we talk about the uh, piece you did for the OSC box set and mm-hmm. start there? So, what was your influence or your uh, where do you start? Where do you uh, end up? What was your assignment? Uh, well, to do the cover was the, <laughs> the cover. Um, and uh, we started with uh, a little discussion. Uh, you know, a lot of times I like to come up with the idea myself at the same time. And, and uh, Gavin was okay with that, but he also had some ideas and one of them just turned out to, you know, spark, spark inspiration. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at, that's what I'm looking down, thinking about it. Um, you know, and it, it follows the, uh, the idea of, of the demon or entity watching over arena sort of. Um, but this was really about that plus, uh, colors and this kind of idea that it's coming out of maybe another dimension, but it's, you know, and that is sort of the star flames and the flame showing a star field behind him mingled with that, that red. I just really like that. It's yeah. That weird. red really pops on those covers or on the, on the box cover um, really nicely. And we've talked, we've talked a little bit with you about this um, on the song of the shriek frap episode when we talked about your process and picking out the colors um maybe you could take us through um your history if you have any with you know playing old school essentials playing bx or just old school variants of dungeons and dragons and honestly i really just want to go back to asking you more about the slug from your other game like that's (laughs) the thing that i'm really interested in about but we wrote down these questions you know i feel like i should ask you them so sure. could you t- tell us a little bit about your history playing and running old school D&D? And if you want to say something about the slug guy, like, you know. Okay. Uh, well, the slug, this, that particular eye of Vecna had meteor swarm. Oh. But it also slug killed. swarm? It also like, killed it... The, the slug when he cast it. And in the oh, end, okay. of course, in the con game, I mean, what are you going to do? You're really, he did, he did cast it and died. I love it. <laughs> But the troll with the magic beard had the, a power once a week to resurrect any entity. And uh, he actually had three of his friends dead. I forgot there was also a Wyvern princess, but she didn't die. And um, Of course not. Yeah. What happened will remain a mystery. So you want to ask? <laughs> yeah, so we started with uh, with the, uh, the D&D box set. Um, we had been playing a little group in junior high. We were playing... Uh, you know, hex-based war games. But we were also into fantasy. Like, we were playing, I, I don't remember the publisher, but it came in a little plastic bag. It was Helm's Deep, mm-hmm. a little uh, war game. Uh, and we had playing that, and we had a local um, game store, a nice little game store in Berkeley. And uh, we would go there poking around, and we saw chain mail, and we tried that. And uh, we didn't really, we didn't follow through. We didn't kind of understand it. And then, like, the next time we went there we saw the box set on uh, the D original 
box set that we picked that up and that just oh boy i mean we didn't really even need to talk about it or jump up and down we were just mesmerized by it and it pretty much yeah. took over my life and i played dnd drew pictures for dnd made maps games just went on and on and on i never stopped um i started sending in you know uh drawings uh to the dragon we have been reading the strategic review and the dragon was going to come out and then um yeah we uh i moved out there and do, did the illustrations and actually once i moved to tsr i played a little less dnd we moved to lake geneva we played all kinds of games at that point but then afterwards uh and right now uh playing and running in uh first edition uh adnd games and this latest campaign is, is hopefully will go on for a little while with these creatures as yeah characters. Very, Very cool. cool. And Matt, uh, I think we'll uh, get closer to the end here as uh, we're wrapping up, but not quite. But at the end of the initiative order, rolling a three back when is uh, you, Matt. Can you tell us what we can expect uh, coming up from OSE uh, as far as uh, products, um, adventures, events? Give us the uh, spicy tea. Better yeah. international shipping. Womp womp. Oh. Yeah, the, the sexy part of Exalted Funeral. <laughs> international shipping. Uh, taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Paying taxes. No, um, so, I mean, me and Gavin have chatted about OSC constantly, basically, since our relationship blossomed. And what we would do and how to execute and where to go. Obviously, Dolmenwood is coming up. We're going to have that here really soon. And that's a huge, huge thing. Dolmenwood's going to be gorgeous. It's an absolutely gorgeous looking game um, without giving away all the sweet, sweet surprises. But OSC has a huge roadmap. I mean, <laughs> we have, uh, you know, the, the great thing about it is you know, we can really do whatever we want <laughs> where, where Gavin is super creative and he has a lot of ideas. There's a lot of creators we want to work with. A lot of people we're working with now that are going to have stuff that comes out for old school essentials. You're going to be able to see a lot of the stuff that's been chatted about in um, Gavin's discord and the necrotic gnome Facebook page, you know, people are like, when is this going to exist? And, you know, we, sometimes it, I, I think people think we take things a little too slow um, one, because it, I mean, these things take a lot of time, you know, we're putting a bunch of like independent effort into all these products to make them as gorgeous and absolutely, you know, as perfect as possible. Um, but there's a huge roadmap for OSC coming up like post Dolmenwood, but Dolmenwood's the most immediate thing. And it's probably going to have the largest support coming from us, uh, right now, but you know, it's it's kind of wild when you when you look at it and where OSE is and where it stands as, you know, a game, a brand, you know, we have so many third party creators for it. I mean, if you want to do a third party podcast, you could do that where you get one zillion people to come on here and just talk about right. <laughs> all the super radical stuff they make, you know, and then there's just us where there's more modules, more settings coming. You know, we have again, the roadmap is. The road is long and we're going to be, you know, going down it. Um, it's crazy because, you know, Dave mentioned that he's, you know, a part of the team team now officially. He was always a part of the team because 
whenever I had an emergency, I made Dave do something. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I need really perfect art is Dave. Can you? And he's like, oh, fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need sleep. Yeah, he doesn't need that. I'm like, oh, Dave, I really need like all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> what a trooper. But yeah, I mean, talking about it, you know, again, Dolmanwood, Dolmanwood, Dolmanwood. I could say it over and over again. And, you know, we've, there, there was a lot of hurdles, you know, with the OGL and everything just recently. And we kind of put off releasing Dolmanwood to kind of see like how that shook out. And as it stands now, you know, it's, we didn't really have to do much, you know, it's going to come out and it's going to be stunning. Like, well, I'm super pumped for the, I'm super pumped for the Kickstarter. Like it's, you know, I, again, without spoiling all like, you know, the tiers and specialty things that we have going for it and without giving away too much. Um, I mean, give us a little. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, there's going to, there's going to be specialty maps. There's going to be Gavin. Can I say minis already? Can I say it? Can I do it? You you did. Started, yeah. You just already said it. Said ah, it. crap. Scoop. Uh, we're going to have minis <laughs> done and those are looking so radical that I don't even, you know, we've, yeah. that's been um, a whole new process for us, you know, getting and producing the minis and the sculptor has been phenomenal at communication and coming back and forth and the art that's been turned in, turning them in, you know, and so you're going to have <laughs> just kick-ass minis, like plain and simple ones that you don't see of creatures you've not seen, you know, monsters you've not seen. And we have a whole, you know, we have a whole roadmap for those as well going in the future you know there's going to be a ton of stuff you know what you like for osc and what you like in gaming osc is going to facilitate that you know there's people who are like oh well you know i don't play much fantasy don't worry you know there's going to be first party osc settings and materials coming out in the future that are just going to be so radical and you know i'm sure gavin's probably going to want to take um you know a nap after the <laughs> Dolmenwood has been finally released, because yeah. Dolmenwood has Sleep been in for the 101 room. years. Yeah, the Dolmenwood's been working, but you know, I'm I'm really bad at that because I just tell everybody, "Ah, oh, let's do the next thing, let's get it going." Yeah. So you know, because I'm, it, it's it's funny, and I you know I can't attest to like how other you know publishers work, but I'm like a super fanboy of stuff, so I get really excited at ideas, and I just like to like snowball them. I always make fun because like. I kind of like torpedo some of these situations. They're like, yeah, we should make this really small. And I'm like, wrong. We're going to make this. There's going to be minis, cloth map. <laughs> like, you know, and, but Gavin, you know, he has all these great ideas and he comes to us and he's like, can we do it? And I'm like, absolutely. And I'm like, all right, well, now we're going to figure it out. You know, there's, um, I'm going to say it too. There's going to be, you know, music. You're going to get a physical product of music that's going to come along with Dolmenwood. Dolmenwood is going to be an experience. Like, you're going to be able to like just absorb the whole setting. And I don't think fans are like really truly prepared for what's going to happen to their knickers at this. Like when they see it, like <laughs> it's going to be immense flying off. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hearts on fire. Like, you know, because typically, you know, sometimes it's hard, you know, even as a fan, you're like, well, you know, the Kickstarter's coming, you know, uh, here, another Kickstarter, what's going to be really cool or special about it. But you know, Gavin had all these brilliant ideas about stuff and we're just going to like, each one is like a home run, you know? Very cool. Each, and so get ready. Um, it's going to set a really big standard for uh, the other uh, settings we're going to release. 
which, you know, <laughs> well, you get put the bar real high. You yeah, set the bar high, it. right? Yeah, well, don't stop. I tell you what, Matt, like we are all very excited for this. And you mentioned that, um, you know, uh, you got to kind of be patient, you know, like so, you know, David takes longer than eight hours to do a drawing. Errol <laughs> sometimes takes a year. Uh, Gavin, I don't know how many millions of hours you've put into all of this, but the result that we're all getting to enjoy right now and that our patients will allow us to enjoy in the future for Dolmanwood is going to be worth the wait. Um, so very excited and we will be patiently waiting for the next thing to be coming along. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us today for this exalted funeral sponsored exclusive encounter. The OSE box sets are available on Exalted Funeral right now. It's exaltedfuneral.com. Um, and before we get out of here, let's just go down the initiative track one more time. Um, and I'd like to let all of our listeners know where they can find each of you. Can so, I amend that to you, Andrew? And yeah, say, absolutely. Can you just say uh, your favorite thing about the OSE box set, whether you had something to do with it or not, and also where your uh, where we people could find you. Yeah, so like your socials, your home telephone number, um, <laughs> if you want to share your social security, you know, whatever, all of that stuff. You know, the stuff you want people to know about you. Yeah. No, that's... <laughs> all right, Gavin, you're up first. One, one thing that um, you love about the, this game that you created and where people can follow, sign up to be notified, and, you know, stay on the pulse with what you've got coming up next um the uh notification link necroticgnome.com um thing i love about the box sets um if it feels like the kind of um perfected evolution of OSE. like there have been different versions before but this new box set is like pristine in every sense and gavin where do you think you have your like most fingerprint like where's the most gavin part of OSE? <laughs> all of it um, yeah i mean i get i guess just this super nerdy anal attention to information presentation the layout <laughs> yeah yeah the layout yeah the layout very cool let's move down the initiative order um david you're up next where can people um find and follow you and also your favorite thing about the osc box sets um Basically, David Hoskins is my handle on pretty much everything. Um, DavidHoskins.com, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my favorite, my favorite thing about the box sets is all the art that isn't mine. Because there's like, there's so much good stuff in there, and oh, I'm just yeah. like, oh my god! Like, just every every booklet you flip through, um, I have to see my art like next to that, and then, um it's still like a little mind boggling because there's just so many good artists in there. You want to shout um, out a few, uh, interior oh, artists um, putting you on the spot too much. Yeah, no, no. Uh, like Sam Amelli, big fan of him. He shows oh, yeah. up a little bit. Um, uh, Matt Ray. Yeah. Uh, I really like Matt Ray's stuff. Matt Ray's in a lot of it as well. Um, I'll shout out Diogo okay. Neguero. Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Diogo. Noguera. Yeah. Diogo mm-hmm. is, is, also great. Um, Stefan Pogue. Yeah. Um, Peter Mullen. God, like the list just goes on and on. Uh, there's one right now too that I'm thinking of that I'm just like 
Frank I think it's I think it's Frankie Frankie Bonebreak or something is his name. Yeah, yeah. Frank Yeah. Oh man. I, yeah. No Frank's... idea if that's the pronunciation, but right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Frank. But Frank stuff is yeah. is out of this world too. Um, and then you got box set covers by Peter Mullen and Errol. And it's like, yeah, it's just it home runs all around visually. Very yeah, let's cool. go to you, Errol. Uh, what's your favorite bit of the uh, box sets and where can people find you and your art? Well, <clears throat> I'm really, I just have Facebook. That's it. I've been, uh, so now the box set, I actually have, I have it right here. I'm touching it. And uh, I am liking the texture. Feels good, doesn't it? I agree with that too. The interior mm-hmm. of the box, it's kind of like this satiny. It's like a, a robe. I'm going to go touch mine too. I love, We should be touching it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is what I would say. I'm experiencing it now. And uh, although it might not be the only my most favorite thing, it's occupying my senses. It smells really good too. When you crack this box, op- box open. When I cracked it open a while ago, it's lost that. But yeah, I love this texture. I love that smell of like fresh book, like mm, in fresh, cards, fresh. you know, like if you like crack a pack of magic cards or something or like crack a pack when you, when you open up like a, like a new book. Yeah. That ink. And Matt, let's get oh, to yeah. you. Where can we find uh, all the exalted funeral good stuff? And, you know, if we want Matt's personal, uh, hidden Twitter. Maybe you'll tell us about it. Yeah. Where can all of the other, um, <laughs> retro clone creators, um, lodge their complaints? Um, you can do that at, uh, Sean McCoy at gmail.com. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Sean. When you hear this, <laughs> um, uh, no, you can, um, you can reach me at basically it's all exalted funeral, like Twitter, Facebook, um, every, everyone on the carrier pigeon, they'll get to me sometime. Like, um, so it, it's a pretty easy one, just exalted funeral and any favorite social space you have, you can find us there. Um, and my, my, my favorite thing about the box sets, and this is going to sound super sentimental and weepy is, uh-huh. uh, uh, friendships, man. Like uh-huh. it's a culmination of like all this work with my friends and, other people in the industry who are now friends, like just people that were on the periphery of like all this. And I get to work with them and make really, really cool stuff, like make super excellent products. It's like a really amazing thing, you know, at the end of the day. And so, you know, uh, the box sets and OSC in general has really, really, you know, it's given me tons and tons of people that are like now lifelong friends, you know, like we're going to be homies forever. It's like, you know it's like your adventuring party you're together forever unless i'm running the game then i just kill you i guess sorry but um, (laughs) if anybody else is running the adventure (laughs) like you know it's a lot more fun we're gonna get um all four of you back every week um at the same time forever to run this uh run some ose games together is that what's happening now yeah oh everybody's giving me thumbs up so yeah. i guess i guess <laughs> let me that's, tell you i would love this group. <laughs> all right steve but, but let me you... let me add on to just what matt was saying with okay. exalted funeral as a company as well is almost more than just a company they're a big part of the community and all everything that matt's talking about with community is uh you could go to the exalted funeral discord and there's a awful lot of people in there playing games, finding games. And uh, honestly, with us, with Epic Levels, not to get too uh, 
same emotionally involved in that same thing. We've made a lot of friends through like Exalted Funeral people. We just had Levi Combs from Planet X Games on here, uh, hanging out with David at Gary Con, things like this. So, uh, you know, big ups to Exalted Funeral and people coming in for uh, you should also dive into this world too. So with that, I just want to say thank you all again for being on here. Uh, You're all welcome back on the show uh, as often as you can. Although (laughs) Matt Kelly, go and check out our uh, episode with him. Uh, Very Prince heavy and undead and Errol's episode uh, where me and Errol share our love of the band Goldfrap. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'll see all of you uh, next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon podcast. Let us know if you pop this room into one of your games, or if you run any of our other adventures, we'd love to hear from you. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash epiclevels. Your support helps make this podcast possible. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player, leave a comment, and tell your friends, and slay your enemies. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at epic underscore levels. Join our mailing list at epicleveltsrapgods.com. The Epic Levels Mad Dungeon podcast is hosted by Andrew Bellary, Rob Bellary, and Steve Albertson. Produced by Zach Cowan. Theme song by Epic Levels and beat by Interesting, a.k.a. Mason Grant, who also makes tabletop games that you can purchase at GammaWaveGames.com. And until next time, may your crits be plentiful and your fumbles few.